welcome to our uh, weekly Sunday School, um, our study of the book of Jeremiah. Uh, before we begin, uh, let me open our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for your, uh, your goodness and your uh, loving kindness uh, toward us. We confess uh, it is completely unmerited on our part. Uh, we deserve uh, nothing uh, except uh, judgment and condemnation for our sin. But uh, you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who made perfect satisfaction for our sin and uh, even more clothed us uh, with the righteousness that we need to be in the presence of our holy, holy, holy God. So we thank you uh, for... Uh, your loving kindness and your grace and goodness to us. We thank you for your word that uh, you are not a God who uh, remain distant and silent, uh, nor uh, a God who uh, left us uh, in our sin, but you sent uh, your, your word to us, uh, your prophets, uh, and we pray that you would give us uh, ears to hear, that we wouldn't be like uh, uh, Judah in the time of Jeremiah stubbornly refusing uh, to heed uh, your word, but that we would um, hear and do. Uh, give us uh, humble hearts, hearts willing to, to uh, learn from you, uh, but also give us uh, wills that we would do the things that you call us to. Lord, uh, bless our time together this morning uh, as we study your word together. Uh, may we see Christ uh, as we study the words of the prophet and see our need, uh, our, our daily need for him and the life that he brings. And we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, if you'll turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 16. Uh, and as you're uh, turning there, let me just briefly recount uh, some of the things we talked about when we looked at chapter 15 last week. Um, so chapter 15 uh, began con continuing a dialogue between God and Jeremiah uh, that had uh, started back in chapter 14. Um, and chapter 15 particularly began with God uh, responding to Jeremiah's questions uh, regarding uh, God's coming judgment on Judah. God's people had declined so far from their covenant that not even the prayers of Moses and Samuel, much less those of Jeremiah, could avail to turn Yahweh's heart toward the people. So deep was their sin and so irrevocable was Yahweh's judgment. Uh, the reference to the evil deeds of King Manasseh and his vileness uh, made it clear that the fall of Jerusalem had been long in coming, but instead of repenting, the people of God people of Judah rejected God and went backwards rather than forwards. Um, most of our time last week uh, was spent looking at uh, Jeremiah's uh, complaints um, and his deep uh, discouragement um, that caused him to express the wish that he had never been born. Uh, Jeremiah protested that although he had been faithful to Yahweh in discharging his prophetic responsibility, um, that service had only led to anguish and loneliness. Uh, he even accused God of being like a deceitful brook that runs dry instead of being the promised fountain of living water. Uh, God calls uh, Jeremiah to repent, reminding him of the promises that God made when he called Jeremiah uh, as a prophet uh, when a youth, um, and also by reminding Jeremiah that God only has the power to save, to deliver, and to redeem his people who turned him in faith and repentance. And we ended last week uh, talking about the inadequacies of prophets like Moses, Samuel, and Jeremiah, but rejoicing in God's uh, provision of a perfect prophet, Jesus Christ, who made perfect intercession uh, for our sin. So in chapter 16, we'll uh, see how the people's continued sinfulness and stubborn inability to see their own wrongdoing necessitates Jeremiah to live out God's prophetic warnings in clear and dramatic fashion. And although God declares judgment against his people, he also offers the hope of restoration 
not just for the people of Judah, but for all the nations of the earth. So with that as a word of introduction, let me read for us Jeremiah chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 1 and reading through the end of the chapter. Hear now the word of God. The word of the Lord came to me. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place, and concerning the mothers who bore them and the fathers who fathered them in this land. They shall die of deadly diseases. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. They shall perish by the sword and by famine, and their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and for the beast of the earth. For thus says the Lord, Do not enter the house of mourning, or go to lament or grieve for them. For I have taken away my peace from this people, my steadfast love and mercy, declares the Lord. Both great and small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried, and no one shall lament for them, or cut himself, or make himself bald for them. No one shall break bread for the mourner to comfort him for the dead, nor shall anyone give him the cup of consolation to drink for his father or his mother. You shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them, to eat and drink. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will silence in this place before your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. And when you tell the people all these words and they say to you, Why has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we've committed against the Lord our God? Then you shall say to them, Because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have gone after other gods, and have served and worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and have not kept my law. And because you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, every one of you follows his stubborn, evil will, refusing to listen to me. Therefore, I will hurl you out of this land into a land that neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I'm sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And after, afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt for them uh, from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first, I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin, because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble, to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. Therefore, behold, I will make them know this. Once I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. Um, so, uh, in verses 1 through 9, uh, we start off with God um, forbidding Jeremiah from doing certain things. So, so what is God um, uh, telling Jeremiah not to do? Not marry, okay? 
Yeah, and yeah, not marrying also <laughs> comes with the equivalent, not having children, yeah. Um, what else? So not marry, not have kids. No feasting. Yeah. Sorry, that that invitation to whatever, what, what, <laughs> or, uh, you know, I have to turn down, like, all those weddings that, you know, starting. I mean, I'm at the age now where I'm getting invited to weddings again. You know, like, you go through that stage when you're graduating from college, all your friends are getting married, and now I'm at the age all my friends' children are getting married. So, uh, turn down all those wedding invites. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, don't go into the house of mourning. Um, so, so the like, so here, um, and this is like we, we talked uh, earlier in Jeremiah about symbolic actions. This is a, like a little more <laughs> in depth uh, than just like a mere like symbolic. Like uh, the the not there for do not marry is uh, there are a couple forms of negation in Hebrew. It's the severe form, um, like it's the form like in the Ten Commandments when it says do not. Uh, it's that kind of do not. Uh, lo is the word in, in Hebrew. Um, uh, the ones for marriage uh, and the funerals is the less severe negation. So, so some people like, is there a distinction here? But yeah, but he's never to marry. Um, he's, he's not to go to, to funerals. He's not to go to, to wedding feasts. Um, so, so the question is why? Well, what's the purpose of, of God, you know, making his prophet do something? And you can think like the marriage one, it's similar to where when um, uh, God calls Hosea to, to, to marry uh, a woman who uh, is a prostitute, like, or, a, you know, a loose woman. Um, you know, like, same kind of thing. Um, it's a radical um, act on the part of the prophet. Like, not to marry in, in this age uh, is really strange. Um, celibacy is actually, like, seen as, like, a, yeah, a, an evil thing. Yeah, and think, like, he's giving the opportunity by making this, Again, taking this radical choice, not getting married, not having children, like, people are going to ask him, <laughs> like, why? Like, again, his action is a way of dramatically living out. Like, he, he's not just saying God's words as a prophet. He's living God's word. Uh, and in this case, um, as Teresa says, it's a word of judgment because... Again, and we talked about this um, in, a couple weeks ago uh, in terms of, like, you know, the, the mother who has seven sons, you know, expects to be well provided. But um, if she sees all those seven sons killed, like, how, how deep her distress is going to be. The same, same thing here. Like, you know, the children that would normally bring you joy and security and hope for future those children have no future. Like, and, and notice, it's not just the children. Um, the, you know, the, the sons, the daughters, the mothers, the fathers, like, and all the different descriptive ways of how they die. <laughs> um, like, it, judgment is coming, and it's going to be so complete and horrible. Um, and to, again, like, wake the people up to this reality, to emphasize how severe this judgment is, God calls Jeremiah to take this radical step of, of standing out in this way of not having children. Because, you know, what's the purpose of having children when you're going to see those children um, being slaughtered? Rather than increasing your prosperity, it's going to increase your grief as you see them killed and destroyed.
I mean, I, I, it, it almost comes across, yeah, like he's gonna feel it as judgment, I think, um, but he's also gonna be spared from certain things that everybody else is gonna go through. Like, you know, he's not gonna live to see his children destroyed. You know, it, like he's, everybody else around him, you know, who, uh, you know, are trusting in their progeny, you know, are gonna go through, you know, for a parent to lose a child, like, you know, like you, parents, like generally we expect to predecease our children. <laughs> like, so like, uh, and in this, like, again, their society, their children are their welfare system. So like that is their future hope for when they're old and they can't take care for themselves, their children will take care of them um, and provide for them and be prosperous. And, and God is saying through Jeremiah, that future prosperity is not gonna take place. Instead, what's gonna come is, is judgment. But, but yeah, I think Jeremiah, like, I mean, think what we were talking about last week. What was Jeremiah's main complaint in chapter 15? I'm all alone. Like, everybody's against me. You know, my family's against me, my neighbor's against me, I'm isolated and, and cut off from everyone, and, and here we, <laughs> like, you don't get to marry. Like, he doesn't even have that. So I, I think he feels kind of, you know, I, I think he might feel it experientially as judgment, but I think God is saying here, look, I'm sparing you these things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, again, it illustrates how great a calamity that's going to befall them. Like, it's not, you know, it, it's going to be so complete, like, um, you know, that uh, it, it requires a stark physical act on Jeremiah's part to make it visible in a certain way, to try to get the people to understand look, <laughs> this is how bad it's going to be. Like, it's better not to have a wife, it's better not to have children than to have a wife and have a children and see them destroyed. And, and, and notice, left unburied, which again is, in, in ancient Near East, it's, it's a curse uh, not to have a, a, a funeral, not to be mourned, uh, not to have one's remains uh, interred but just to be left out where you know, you're subject to the elements and the beasts of the field, like that is viewed as a curse to death. So they're not just gonna die, they're gonna die cursed deaths. What else strikes you about um, you know, the why here um, of Jeremiah having to do these things? Other things stand out to you?
yeah, I mean, like, again, he, he's going to feel it. <laughs> like, you know, he, he lives it out. Um, and I'm glad you referred to Zico because there's a comparable um, uh, picture in Ezekiel where Ezekiel's wife dies. Uh, and the Lord, this is in Ezekiel 24, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, behold, I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke, yet you shall not mourn or weep, nor shall, you, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud, make no mourning for the dead, bind on your turban and put on your feet, do not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died, and on the next morning I did as I was commanded. So, yeah, so he's living out, as you say, the judgment of God. Like, you know, his wife is being taken away from it instantly, and he, he's not even going to be allowed to, to mourn for her. And then, like, it produces a response. You know, the people say to him, <laughs> Like, why are you doing this? So, you know, it by the symbolic act of the prophet, he gets the opportunity to proclaim God's word. And notice how, like, he's told to do these things and and in verse 10, and when you tell the people all these words, they will say to you. Like, so he's doing things, um, but the doing things is an opportunity to to proclaim God's coming judgment and destruction. Jeremiah's living it out in, in a way and, and feeling it in a way that he can then tell to the people. Um, and it's absolutely, you know, supposed to direct us to our, our perfect prophet and our perfect priest. And, and I think there's that language in here uh, later on. We'll get to it. I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, but, but later on, um, he's, he's going to say, good grief, I can't see. I need new glasses. I'm going to the eye doctor in three weeks. Um, actually, I need new bifocals. That's the real problem. Um, not even new glasses. Um, but this idea, oh, it's verse 18. But first, I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they've polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols. I think that might, might be one of my new favorite phrases, carcasses of their detestable idols. But, but that idea of, of doubly there, like... You know, it, that should take us to the cross where our sin, our iniquity is, is taken on Christ in kind of a double sense. He, he, in his life, he performs the righteousness that, that we're supposed to perform. And his death, he pays for the sin that, you know, pays the judgment that our sin deserves. So he, he, he both covers our sin, um, but also earns the righteousness that, is required for us to stand before God. So he's he's doing double work in that sense. Double also has another sense, uh, but we'll get, I'm getting ahead of my story. that and then when I saw the the negate the negation there like it's it's like it's kind of like never <laughs> the other ones like the morning and the feasting those are are more conditional like it, it uses the word no that's kind of more of a temporary no um, the no for for marriage is the absolute no <laughs> like so uh, yeah, uh, the in the place I think there is again, it's directing like, you know, as Matthew was saying, like he he is he's experiencing the judgment in this place that they're going to experience in this place. So I think the locative there is is you know um, emphasizing like by living out. Um, no wife, no children, um, like in this particular place, you know, he, he is performing the coming, no children, no wife, no fathers, no mothers, that's going to befall this place um, through judgment. Yeah, Mike, and then...
it's very stark, and it's a lot, um, you know, thinking of what Pastor Kerr, you know, preached to us last week about the, you know, what this, this hell is, and as you're saying, it, this is like a four um, picture of, of that complete judgment, and it, you know, it, it's an, uh, as, as, going to quote you from memory, which is always dangerous. Um, but, but you had this great line last week. It's an absence of, um, of, of God's redeeming presence. Like, you know, like there, there is no hope of redemption. And um, uh, notice that that language is here of where God says, um, you know, he's going to take away, oh, good grief, Thank you. <laughs> um, for I've taken away my peace from this people, my steadfast love and mercy, declares the Lord. Like, if, if you don't have God's hesed, his steadfast love, you have no hope. Like, like there, as you say, like, that's it. That is ultimate judgment. Because without the peace that God brings, without the loving kindness of God, there is no hope. It is this e e eternal experience of God's judgment. So, yeah, very much. It, it should put us in that mindset of this is what the judgment of God that our sin deserves looks like. It's 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 severe. It's um, it's without hope because um, our hope, as Jeremiah says over and over again. Is God alone? Yes, Sandy. for saving me there, like my forgetfulness. Um, I was looking later on because uh, I was thinking that um, like this section ends or at uh, verse 13, for I will show you no favor. Like that kind of like, like, you know, again, it's, you know, as we think of hell, it's not an absence of God's presence. It's an absence of God's loving, redeeming presence. There is no hope of mercy in that place of judgment. Yes? Yeah, and notice like that stubbornness even comes into like, like to, to kind of shift into this next, you know, after next section, like the people's response. Why has the Lord pronounced all this evil against us? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we've committed against the Lord our God? Like, have they not been paying attention the first 15 chapters? Like over and over again, Jeremiah has pronounced, you know, this, this warning to him. This has been the repeated theme of, of the book. And, and, you know, it is their stubborn, uh, evil uh, refusal to listen, even to the extent when the, they hear the, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, we're going to be judged? What do we do? <laughs> um, and, and that's their, their state over and over again. Like, you know, and as we think about repentance, the first part of repentance is actually acknowledging you've done something wrong. Like, you know, like if you don't think you've sinned, then you, you don't really, like, repentance is, is like, meaning, like, well, I haven't really done anything, so what do I need to repent of? Um, and that's the place they're at. Like, they're, like, he's calling them to repentance, 
and, and they can't even do step one. Like, and step one is acknowledging your sin. Like, I've done something wrong. And they're like, what'd I do? You know, um, like, and that's the, that's the voice I would use with my parents. What did I do? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Well, why is your brother over in the corner screaming and has like a red mark on his, his arm? I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and it's that, you know, the evilness of their heart. Yeah, like, uh, and that is the, the focal point. Why is the judgment so severe? Because of that. Like, you know, because of your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and gone after other gods, served and worshipped them, forsaken me, have not kept my law, and because you have done worse than your fathers. Behold, every one of you follows his stubborn, evil will, refusing to listen to me. Like, so it's cumulative. You know, like, you know, like we saw this last week. Like, this judgment has, has been coming uh, and is deserved just on the basis of what Manasseh did during his long, evil reign in Judah. Um, but... It's not like they can't sit there and say, why are we being punished for something that happened 100 years ago? Because <laughs> you're doing worse. <laughs> like, instead of going forwards, you've gone backwards. Um, instead of having, you know, responding um, to Josiah's calls to repentance, you've used the outward um, performance at the temple and trusting in the promises that God makes in his law, but refusing to follow the law or to acknowledge the curses that um, disobedience uh, in, involves. Thought I saw a hand somewhere. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and it's not like, yeah, it's like if we think of it just in our own lives, this is why we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Like, you know, like because it, yeah, it takes, you know, it could be years, it could be days. <laughs> like, you know, to, you know, forgetfulness, um, you know, it is like, that's the repeat, like every time God delivers his people, like his first words to them is, don't forget. <laughs> Remember, like bind it on your head, uh, you know, write it on your doorpost, like put up, because our tendency as sinful human beings is to forget what God has done for us, to trust in ourselves, and to, you know, basically have, you know, like that idea, like I'm okay. And that, like, I always tell myself, <laughs> but other people, the worst place you can be spiritually is to think you're basically okay. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing good. Like, and that's the most dangerous place to be is because when you start thinking you're good, then you stop thinking about um, what your sin really deserves, what Christ had to do to pay the penalty of your sin. You, it, and you start to like downplay your need for the for your savior, and that's why we have to be constantly reminding ourselves. That's why we build it into our worship to confess our sin, um, because we have to acknowledge our sin in order to exercise uh, our faith and repentance. Um, all right, good. Um, well, let's uh, shift to whew, twenty minutes left. 
Um, and we've done 13 verses. I guess that's pretty good. Um, so, so judgment, deserved. Um, and then we get this therefore in verse 14. Um, so he, God has just said, for I will show you no favor, therefore. Um, we get this message of hope. <laughs> therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. So in the middle of, of, of judgment, we have this pronouncement of hope. So how are we to understand this? Like, I mean, and it turns to more judgment later, like, <laughs> like notice, like, uh, you know, once we get to verse 16, we're, we're back to the experience of, of judgment <laughs> and God seeing their iniquity. And we get that, my favorite line there, the carcasses of their detestable idols. It's, it's actually like corpses. Like these idols, they're corp, like they're dead, lifeless corpses, carcasses. Yeah, Jay. This is all covenant language. Like, especially when he's get, giving that, that description, like all of this, um, you know, they say, you know, why? And he, you know, his answer, because your fathers have forsaken me. Like, and it, it, like, notice the list here. Have gone after other gods, have served and worshiped them, have forsaken me, have not kept my law. Um, you know, all those things are, you know, straight out of Deuteronomy. Um, they're, they're all part of God's covenant with his people. And the judgment is coming straight out of Deuteronomy. Uh, and that, that phrase there, you know, hurl them, <laughs> fling them. Like it's, it's like um, you're going, uh, you went to wrestling and, and I was like, you know, like trying to throw something, <laughs> uh, you know, um, as far away from, uh, as you can, like it's not a gentle, okay, like, you know, going to eject Jay from the room and like escort him to the door and close the door behind him. No, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's the bouncer throwing him out and making sure he does some damage <laughs> on, on the way out the door. Um, yeah, and he's, so he's just said, I'm going to hurl you out. I'm going to scatter you, uh, you know, I will show you no favor. Therefore, <laughs> the, the, the blessing of return from, from exile is, is going to be greater and spoken about more than, than the exodus. Like, I mean, again, this is, you think about the exodus count, think of how it's talked about in the Psalms. This is God's central the um, act of deliverance for them. Like, this is the redemptive act. When they think of God redeeming his people, they think of that. They were enslaved in Egypt, and God took them out of bondage and brought them into a land um, that wasn't theirs. Like, that is God's central saving, delivering act, um, you know, for, for them. That's how they're going to see it. Um, and, and he's saying... No more will people talk about that. This one is going to be what people talk about.
Yeah, I mean, I think it's pointing forward. And, and I do think they experience it as like, you know, think about the people who see the rebuilt temple who still remember the old one. Like they cry because it's like <laughs> pitiful. Like they remember what the old one was like. Um, so so I, it, it's pointing to, to the future and I think ultimately pointing to, you know, the redemptive act, you know, the, 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 this Christ who's coming, who's going to uh, deliver his people totally, um, remove them from their bondage to sin. And, you know, as we see at the end of this chapter, it's not just going to be this people, it's going to be people of, you know, every tribe, tongue. Um, so, so I think there's looking forward to, uh, I mean, the main point here is there will be re restoration. Like, and, it, and the restoration does happen and does take place. Um, uh, you know, maybe the, it doesn't, in their minds, surpass the exodus, but um, it, I think what, what does make that act astounding is, like, we've just had how many verses saying how complete the judgment's going to be, how they've lost God's um, uh, peace and loving kindness. God has just said, I'm going to show you no favor, and then even in the midst of that total uh, judgment that they deserve, he, he presents this message of, of future hope. Like, you know, that their judgment or their sin deserves complete and total judgment. But God um, uh, does something that is astounding. Um, that is, in many ways, like, like a, a greater work than what he did in the Exodus. Um, so maybe they don't experience that way, but from like God's perspective, like this is a, a major act of redemption. What were you gonna say? Yeah, our hope rests in the character of God rather than anything in ourselves. And as you say, like, like, like there isn't like something that has gone unnoticed by God. Notice like, like all this language of searching out, you know, with these fishers and hunters, um, you know, and for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. Like, so it's like, he knows it all down to the last offense. <laughs> And yet, and, and it, it, like it's this, it, and I love how, how Jeremiah, like you, you think, okay, this is dark, 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 and then he, he shines light in. And the light, it's like completely unexpected. Like we, we've seen this earlier, like it's like, wait, where did that come from? 
And you can see why, like, some people reading it, like, well, that must be a later imposition by someone because that doesn't fit what's going on in this text. Like, no, that's the point. <laughs> um, in the midst of this judgment, um, their only hope is, is God's mercy. And God says, you know, just as this judgment is, I'm bringing all this judgment upon you, I'll also bring you back. I'll restore you. Like, so the judgment's coming. It's, you know, the kind of theme over the last couple of chapters is it's inescapable at this point. Like, we saw that with, like, don't bother praying for them. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to, to relent from this. You know, the punishment is coming. But, but God is going to do an act of mercy and, and restore them. Like, and, and that, as you say, that is what the gospel writers, that's what um, the apostles in the New Testament proclaim over and over again. You know, like, uh, you know, you mentioned Romans. Like, that's how Paul starts off. He gives us three chapters of describing how everybody, every human being on earth, Jew and Gentile alike, is completely, utterly trapped in sin, doing no good whatsoever. And then he gives us the gospel. <laughs> uh, then he gives us the, this, this good news. Um, all right, hold on, sorry. Eight minutes. <laughs> um, so, I, I, so we have, like, in the midst of this judgment, we, we have this, this great um, declaration of, of hope, and it's return from, from exile, but it's also more than that. Um, so how does the chapter end? Like, what, what's, the, what's the message we get in the final verses of chapter 16? And, and what's, what's our encouragement we're deriving from those? Yeah, Teresa. Yeah, and he, his power is going to be made visible not just to them, but to to all nations. Like that, that you know, uh, you know, the nation to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, "Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit." Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. Um, and then. Uh, as you say, I'll make them know my power, my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Like, so, like, what a beautiful picture that is of, like, here we've had, you know, them um, polluting the land with the carcasses of their detestable idols. Again, every week I have, like, a favorite line that kind of just sticks with me, that, that one, like, you know, and sort of think, and... Um, in, in the law, like uh, a corpse defiles, pollutes the land. Um, and so he's describing these, these idols as polluting corpses <laughs> that bring curses upon the, the land. Um, and yet, you know, and, and that's what uh, Judah and Israel, they've been turning to these, you know, and giving... Um, uh, ascribing sovereignty and power to these things. Um, but there will be a day when not just they, but all the nations of the earth will acknowledge there is only one God um, who possesses power and might. And, and it's in his name that salvation is to be found. Um, it's a beautiful picture. Yes, Scott.
Yeah, and, and we've seen like the um, this idea of of self deceit, like you know, the at, you know what what's at the root of their heart problem. It's a stubborn heart. It's a self deceitful heart that blinds them to the clear evidence of their sin. Like uh, back in chapter two, they're like. What, what are you What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, "Look in the valley. <laughs> like, like you you have idols that are, are more than the you know than the streets in Jerusalem. <laughs> like you know, uh, there are altars uh, everywhere. Um, and, and like they're like, I don't see any. Like they're they're blind to it. They're deaf to God's word. Word." They deceive themselves over and over again with this idea that they're going to experience God's favor without um, them acknowledging their sin and repenting of it. You know, they want the blessings of the covenant, um, but they don't want the obedience that um, brings the blessing. And and it's going to take an act of God um, to, you know, make people see. You know, it takes an act of God to make people hear. It takes an act of God um, to give people a new heart. And as Jeremiah will tell us later on, uh, a heart that, like, God's going to, you know, write his covenant on their hearts. He's going to do this, this heart surgery um, on them. And, and they won't have to teach anymore because everyone will know. And everyone will know, again, not because of some quality or characteristic of themselves, but because of the divine act of, of redemption and salvation. And notice, like, uh, Jeremiah starts this little section off with this, O oh Lord, my strength, my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. So, like, he starts off, like, acknowledging, um, you know, with these, these kind of titles for God, that it's only in God is there to be strength. It's only in God there's to be deliverance. And the hope that he's expressing here, and it's the hope repeated throughout the Old Testament and, and into the New, like this is the hope that we have in Revelation, of all nations um, being there to, to worship Jesus Christ. People from every tribe and language, um, you know, bowing the knee, to, to the lamb on the throne. Um, and that's the picture he's pointing us to. Um, so in the midst of all this severe and total judgment, um, the, the only hope is in the God who is bringing the judgment. Um, you know, it's only in, because he's the only one who has the might and the power. Good. Other things um, from these final verses that stand out to you? Yeah, Grant. no place to hide. Um, and again, I was thinking a lot of when it gets like the crags of the rock, like in Revelation, like people are trying to hide, like when the judgment's coming, people are trying to hide. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like there's nowhere to hide from the judgment of, of God. And the people who God saved, they're like, he, he will seek them out. Like there, there is no, oh, I missed one. Um, you know, they're like, you know, the judgment Everybody will be fished and hunted out for judgment who's deserving of judgment and everybody who, who he delivers. There won't be one that falls through the net. Like he captures them all. Yeah. And, and that's, again, as you say, that language, again, we see over and over again in Scripture. Um, and it's tied to that, that idea, like as Matthew was saying earlier, that there's n like nobody can sort of say, well, you missed this. <laughs> Or, oh, you didn't see me do this. Like, no, he's seen it all. Um, and, and seen it all, he knows our, the depth of our iniquity and the judgment that, that that iniquity rightly deserves. And he deals with it. 
Um, and I said I was going to come back to the, the double there. Um, when you see double like that, um, it, you know, like we, we might read it like from a multiple thing. So they're getting punished twice of what their sin deserves. No, it's the exact equivalent. It's like the idea of like mirror. Um, like, you know, you know, you see your double in the mirror. You see, you know, the perfect reflection. Um, he will pay exactly what their sin um, deserves. Um, he'll make full satisfaction. Um, and I love uh, what Derek Kidner um, said about this, if I can find it quickly. Um, okay, yeah, so here we are. Um, resourcefully, God varies the announcement of captivity by promising a glorious end to it. But having done so, he subtracts nothing from the ordeal itself, for the punishment must be meted out in full. The famous opening to Isaiah 40, while using a different word for double, brings out the positive side of this through retribution and the assurance that all was settled now without remainder, an assurance on the plane of temporal punishment, which we may add would one day be outmatched by the full, perfect, and sufficient satisfaction for sin made on our behalf by our Redeemer. Like, so the, the, the judgment for, for sin is going to be you know, meet it out perfectly. And, uh, you know, the theme, hopefully, you come today is our sin deserves perfect judgment. Um, but our hope is in a Savior who has made perfect satisfaction, taken the full judgment that our sin deserves, and clothed us with his perfect righteousness, which we need to uh, be in the eternal presence of our holy, holy, holy God. Um, all right, well, thanks for a good class. Let me close our time uh, with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we too confess that um, we are like those uh, in Judah, um, that uh, we um, so often uh, fail to acknowledge you, um, fail to, to do the things that you've uh, commanded us. Uh, we've turned our hearts and affections uh, to, to things that aren't God, um, but we uh, put them uh, in your place and uh, we make them um, preeminent in our lives. Um, and uh, our sin deserves uh, your judgment and your wrath. And indeed, you have um, poured out your judgment and wrath upon our sin. Um, but uh, in your, your, your grace and your, your favor, you poured out that wrath not upon us, but upon your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who took the penalty that our sin deserves um, and has clothed us uh, with the righteous deeds uh, that he himself uh, performed. Um, truly, he is, um, as we've spoken of on this day, our perfect um, prophet, our perfect priest, um, and he is our perfect king uh, to whom all um, honor and power and glory uh, uh, should be ascribed to. And we look forward uh, to that day that is promised throughout your scriptures um, when all the nations uh, will stream uh, to him, uh, turn away from their sin, uh, and turn in faith to our Savior Jesus Christ, um, who has sought them out uh, from the ends of the earth and has um, uh, claimed all those that are his own. Uh, give us hearts now in the coming hour um, uh, from uh, joyful gladness of all that uh, you have done for us, that we might worship you in spirit and truth, uh, in song and word, uh, and give us hearts to receive your word as we hear it proclaimed to us, uh, and turn to your table and to see your sacraments performed, uh, to see um, uh, even in a baptism uh, a, a child uh, who uh, can lay no claim on your grace and, and, and mercy, uh, receive the sign. Um, and, and that's a picture of, of our, ourselves, um, that we, we who are completely helpless, um, that you, our God, uh, saved and delivered us. Uh, we ask all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.